It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders, fresh off the holiday. Hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas, including yourself, Alan. How are we doing? I'm doing great. I had a wonderful Christmas. Um, feeling refreshed and ready to go. It's pretty low key. We, you know, daughter's a little bit older. We don't, you know, it's not as, as, as intense as it is when they're in the uh, mm. those, those yeah. sort of elementary school years. She's a teenager now. Mostly she wants di- gift cards and to be left alone. And uh, so, you know, that's, uh, that's where we're at. It was still fun. I had a great time. How was your holiday? Uh, yeah, well, low key, I feel like is, is relatively similar for us. Uh, Christmas Eve actually is more hectic than Christmas Day. That's when the niece and nephew are here. That's when they open their gifts from the family other than their parents. So, you know, to see a, a six and a nine year old is really what my Christmas has become about seeing them get the joy that I used to have. Uh, as a kid so yeah they're the ones now doing the wake up at six in the morning on christmas day for their parents and stuff that i used to uh and i'm not waking up until like 10 a.m making a nice brunch posted the picture of that that was fantastic um but yeah that, that's kind of where we're at so very low-key but very nice yeah i had to wake my daughter up on christmas at like 9 a.m yeah. like, come on we got we got we got things to do like let's, let's get going. <laughs> there we go um alan we the last time we spoke was kind of like immediate reaction, if you will, post-game to steelers Bengals, And, you know, now we've had a couple days go by. We heard Tomlin talk today about it. We've heard, you know, some people put out maybe not exactly what the situation is at quarterback, and we'll dive into that. But I wanted to ask you before we even get into any of that, anything stand out to you? you know, that maybe we didn't discuss initially following the game, whether it's anything you saw back watching or something like you stood upon or anything like that following that game. Um, maybe I think probably didn't talk enough about how good Miles Jack was, uh, not just in like his play, but in preventing there from being those defensive miscommunications that we saw at times mm. as they were sort of scrambling to fill those spots in the middle of the defense. Uh, Eric Rowe as well, I thought was very good. Um, maybe a little bit more up and down. I thought Jack's play was pretty much you know, strictly positive. And, and then really, you know, he had the green dot on. He was doing the communication. And really, I didn't, I didn't see a ton of drop-off there from Elaine and Roberts to him. You know, I don't know, we're all pretty familiar with how Miles Jack plays. I don't think he hits as hard as Roberts does. And, you know, like they're different mm-hmm. players. But, man, I thought that he was really, really good. Uh, in that role. And I don't know how you can feel good about being down to your, whatever it is now, fourth and fifth options at inside linebacker. But I feel yeah. like weirdly okay about Miles Jack playing going forward. And I don't think even if this turns out to be a season ending injury for Landon Roberts, which Mike Tomlin did not say it would be today. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I feel okay about Miles Jack playing. Like, I didn't think it was a catastrophe. Yeah, what a testament that is to him, and and wild to think that this is a guy that had retired, you know, had basically said he was done playing football, and then they pull out of the position he's in to their add him to the practice squad, and then thrust into action in this game and played the way that he did. Um, yeah, so I, I think definitely that was actually I felt like that, you know, initially, but again, 
probably didn't talk about it enough, you know, whether it be him or I know we talked a little bit about Eric Rowe. He was the one that was beat uh, a pretty bad angle on the T Higgins touchdown, got an interception as well, though, in that game, like guys stepping into roles that they were kind of just thrust into has kind of been the story for the Steelers, especially on the defensive side of the football here in 2023. But obviously the main thing that uh, he talked about, Alan, was the QB situation. And I think that was that I would mention that it's kind of getting misconstrued because exactly what he said, I don't think was put out there or that's not how people were taking it. Cause it was basically like, I think most fans, like from my perspective here, the way it was put out was, Oh, Mason Rudolph's QB one, regardless of what happens this week. Yeah, that's not really what he said. And that was weird because a lot of national media put out their own. Mike Tomlin said Mason Rudolph's starting, and that's not what he said. He said that Mason is going to practice as the starter and is in line to start right now, but that Kenny Pickett will practice. And, you know, we'll see where Kenny is at the end of the week, just like he said last week. And, in fact, he said that this week is the same as last week, and I don't expect that Mm -hmm. we're going to get a definitive answer about who is going to start a quarterback until – I don't know how strange the way that was um, shared in the, in the sort of national media sphere. Um, so most of the people that were in the room did a pretty good likely that Mason Ruff is going to start. Um, and maybe we'll get into that now. It's like, you know, I said after the game, I think Kenny Pinkett has to start if he's healthy. Um, yeah. And there was a report from Ian Rappaport um, over the weekend that Pinkett will be healthy for the Seahawks game which is a weird thing to say because he's not healthy right now. I just want the man to li- watch the man limp through the parking lot. Like, I yeah. don't know, like, may he be healthy for the Seahawks game? I May he be medically cleared for the Seahawks game? Sure. Right. But, like, my time was pretty definitive that Kenny Pickett is not fully healthy right now, that he will be limited in practice in the early part of the week. And mm-hmm. here's where I think um, – starting Mason Rudolph makes some sense is that I don't know that Kenny Pickett has been good enough this year to get the benefit of the doubt that he should play if he doesn't practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's, well, actually, you know, we put out on Twitter for questions and somebody asked this anyway. So I know we normally save the questions, but might as well just tie this one right in because JB said, who would you start for Sunday and why for the sake of the discussion, Kenny is 100% healthy. Um, I do want to say too, with what you said, it is pretty funny that it's like, okay, he's not healthy right now. Why is there just like this? Why are we putting out that he's going to be healthy on Sunday? Yeah. His, his injury, actually the time runs out on that on Thursday. So he should be good to go. That's yeah. It was very bizarre. Like I, I I mean, I I took that as like, no, maybe he's way better than when I saw him on Thursday. You know, it's been five days. Like, okay, things change. And then I see him limping around and I'm like, okay, Mm. you know, maybe like, I I don't know where this is coming from. And so I just, I think uh, there's certainly doubt right from Mike Tomlin and the coaching staff that Kenny Pickett is healthy and so the, like if 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 the, if the response had been Kenny Pickett is fully healthy right now medically cleared and we think he will be a hundred percent not just for the game on Sunday but to practice on Wednesday I think it would be really hard for me to not play Kenny Pickett but I can I don't like he if he's not going to practice or if he's not going to be able to practice at anything really approaching a full capacity for most of the week, I think it becomes hard to play him at that point. 
It's because he hasn't played that well overall. But I think that's generally something where if you're TJ Watt and you don't practice all week, okay. If you're Cam Hayward and you don't practice all week, like, I wonder why Cam Hayward practices ever, to be perfectly honest. But, like, I, I don't think that Kenny has played so well that you just ignore him missing practice time. And so, to me, that's the part of this that makes sense, is that if Kenny Pickett is not going to be healthy enough to fully participate in practice until late in the week, if at all, then, yeah, Mason Rudolph should probably start. He was good enough in that game that you should think that he's capable of getting you another win and extending the season until Pickett is able to return. And so, you know, I think that's that's still the idea. Um, but I, I, I kind of get it. If, if Kenny was healthy, I think he would be playing. I, I don't really think there's any question in my mind about that. But it's pretty clear to me that he's not fully healthy. And that's why I think most of this decision – Makes sense. Okay. So that is what you believe would happen as well if Kenny is healthy. Is that also what you would do? I mean, based on our conversations, it certainly sounds like it. But but if so, is that just simply because of the long term, right? Like the investment that they put into him, still trying to figure out if he's the guy, or do you truthfully believe he would give them the best shot at 100% to win the next two games? I believe both that Kenny Pickett gives you the best chance of winning a football game right now. And also, like, look, if, if Mason Rudolph comes out and plays really well in his next two games or whatever, like, let's just say you say, okay, Rudolph's a starter. He's going to start the rest of these games. No matter how good Mason Rudolph plays in his next two games, there's no chance that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to go into the 2024 20, season thinking that Mason Rudolph is their starting quarterback or anybody else for that matter. Like, it's not happening. Um, however, if Kenny Pickett comes out and plays really well, and he played pretty well in his first full game after Canada, and he plays really well in the, after these injuries, then you kind of solve quarterback for 2024. Like, you can't turn down that opportunity. And, and playing Mason Rudolph does not give you that opportunity. So from a big-picture perspective, I think you've got you've to keep playing Kenny. Even if you didn't think that he gave you the best chance of winning, but I do think he gives you the best chance of winning and you know i think this is something that I, I wanted to talk about today sort of like a longer conversation and that one of the things that i see people doing that i think is a mistake when you're evaluating not just football but really anything is like football is a small sample size sport it is they only play 17 of them in a year like we, we deal with small sample sizes all the time small samples are volatile like, you should recognize that small samples are volatile and not change your opinion too much based on any one result. And if, if you entered the game on Saturday thinking that Mason Rudolph was, like, barely deserving of an NFL job and certainly not even an above-average backup quarterback, let alone an option to start, then if he had thrown for six touchdowns and set the NFL single-game passing record in that game against the Bengals, you shouldn't think much differently than that before than you did before Saturday's game. Like that's not how things work. Like even one really good result shouldn't move the needle very much in either direction. Just like one really bad result shouldn't move the needle very much in either direction, even in a small sample size sport like football. Yeah, I think we often fall victim to the moment. And don't get me wrong, I'm certainly part of that. I am not absolving myself of of being that because I'm not going to lie as like 
time has gone on here. And, and something else that entered my mind that I want to ask you about. Big picture, in my opinion, no doubt it, it should be Kenny as the guy starting if he is 100%. But I started to think about, like, the other players on the team and, like, how much – George Pickens, for example, with the performance he just had with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, would he, if he had his preference – or would the other players, the other playmakers on this offense, if they had their preference, choose Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett? Not for 2024, but for this game specifically against Seattle and then go from there. I think most players um, do not want to see players lose their job because they get hurt. Um, I think that's generally like the, the – the, I think the general expectation of the locker room is that when a player gets hurt and then comes back, He'll get his job when he comes back. I think that's generally the expectation. Um, I don't know about George specifically because uh, he's a strange dude and I'm not going to attempt to read his mind. Um, I think generally, though, I mean, like, I, I think people like and believe in Kenny Pickett. I've not seen really any lack of faith in his play from the locker room. I think there was, a, there was starting to become a lack of faith in Mitch Trubisky. I think you might get some of that mm. kind of pushback okay. if he went back to playing. But I never really got that sense that players were upset or frustrated with the way that Kenny Pickett was playing. I think there was some some frustration about the lack of progression of the offense in general. Um, but I don't sure. think I ever, ever sensed that about Kenny specifically. Okay. All right. And not to divert the conversation because we were talking about no, becoming yeah. like prisoners of the moment and stuff, but that popped in my mind. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I definitely am somebody that – you know, in the moment can tend to overreact to things, whether that be in a positive or negative direction. I kind of just have to remember exactly what you just said is, hey, this is one game. This is one moment. And but it's not just fans, though. Like we've seen teams, you know, be, commit to guys because we talked about the Scott Mitchell situation right in Miami. We've seen situations like Matt Flynn. You mentioned six touchdowns and immediately his name popped in my mind for what he did in Green Bay before getting a job in Seattle just to be overtaken by a rookie Russell Wilson right away. Anyway, um, A.J. McCarron comes to mind with the absence of Andy Dalton and then parlaying that. Uh, oh, Cleveland tried to give up a second round pick for him. Obviously, the deal didn't end up going through, but there are a lot of moments like this, you know, from fans and teams alike where we just overreact to one game, one moment, whatever it might be. Like specifically, the Cleveland Browns, how many times have we watched them do this very thing where, like, one quarterback has a good game and then all of a sudden, like, they're starting eight games and losing five of them? Yeah. But in this situation, Alan, how much of it is because of. Okay, like you, you've obviously seen the stats that don't paint a, a picture in a positive way for Kenny Pickett with the lack of progression from the quarterback position to finally have a game where, you know, they do have the quarterback seemingly putting up better statistical numbers for whatever reason that might be. Um, how much of that is the reason why? It's not so much what Mason did, but it's what wasn't happening before Mason. Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a much more reasonable take, right? Like, I don't think you should have changed your mind much about how you feel about Mason Rudolph based on one game. But I do think we should have changed our minds a little bit about Kenny Pickett based on what we've seen this season, right? I mean, you can still make the point that I don't think he's had very good uh, coaching. I don't think he's had a very good quarterbacks coach. I don't think he has had a very good coordinator. The play calling has been bad. The scheme has been bad. They haven't protected him very well. Like, I think you can make all those points. But I think it certainly has taken some shine off the the the, the – Kenny Pickett's, you know, Rose, right? Like, he's not the same guy. Like, we we should not have 
the same thoughts about Kenny Pickett as we did when he was the 20th overall pick, right? Like we've seen now two seasons of pretty mediocre results. I mean, he's been better this year than he was last year, but certainly not um, to some significant degree um, to where, you know, we're feeling like that potential is being unlocked. We're not. And I think that the combination of the two is probably what's led to this sort of perfect storm of people that would have like physically assaulted Mason Rudolph like nine different times over the last four years, now pounding the table for him to be the starting quarterback. Like that's how you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I think that, yeah, I mean, b- both are true, right? We shouldn't really think that Mason Rudolph is more the quarterback we saw on Saturday than the quarterback that we've seen over the course of his career. But we also shouldn't think that Kenny Pickett is not the guy that he is showing himself to be either. That's why I think it's so important to take every opportunity to get Kenny Pickett on the field because he does have a chance to change that narrative where I don't really think that Rudolph does. Nobody wants a 28-year-old, you know, sort of has been already, never was, starting quarterback like there's there's no nobody's nobody's going to bat with that guy like and so I think um that's why the big picture makes so much more sense with Kenny Pickett at quarterback but I I understand him not him not playing if he can't practice I just think that's yeah the uh that's the thing that really uh, makes a lot of sense to me and really curious the sort of role the national media is playing in this and like Oh, it's reporting he's healthy. Well, no, he's not. Now it's reporting that Rudolph is going to play over a healthy picket when that's not even close to what is happening here. I don't know. Very, very strange. Let me throw a third ingredient uh, into this as well in terms of the reasons that uh, fans and others overreact the way that we do, specifically on this topic I think we can relate to, is the preseason as well that Kenny Pickett in this offense put together and probably heightened expectations for what the offense would look like. Should we have been taking into consideration that Matt Canada was still going to be this offensive coordinator in the way that they would operate? Probably. Definitely more than we did. Um, But to go in with such high expectations, to have Kenny Pickett's play where it has been at, and then to have the game that Mason Rudolph did, statistically speaking, if you're just looking at the box score, I think those three ingredients made for what we got on Saturday and what we have right now where people calling for a healthy Mason Rudolph to continue going forward as QB1. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the box score is an interesting point there, too. And, and that, like, look, I don't really think that Mason Rudolph's game was like, – certainly he played well, but, like, if you look at the, like passer rating, that's the best game by a Steelers quarterback since 2020 or 2018. Like, no, yeah. like, I mean, George Pickens did a, a great See, deal I, of that work. Like, I like, pointed this out to people in the YouTube comments that were like calling us out for saying that like he greatly benefited from Yak because I I hated saying that because I felt like on the surface I was taking away from Mason but like it's just true like that is what George did for him in terms of the yards that were account attributed to, to Mason I, I mean I, listen he certainly had to hit these passes hit him in stride to create the opportunities for Yak but when you look at 290 passing yards and then how much of that was after the catch I mean that you, you got to bring that into the conversation yeah, I mean, I think you get some credit as a quarterback for Yak because, you know, if you have to dive to make the catch, you can yeah. make it in, right? Okay, so, like, mm-hmm. well, let's give Mason some credit for a couple of on-target passes. But, I mean, 
the deep ball to George and the dig, like we've seen Kenny make those passes all year. Like it's not like we haven't seen him do it. And it just happened that those were the two that Pickens took for a touchdown. Like that's why I go back to like small sample sizes. Like if Mason Rudolph throws those two passes 20 more times in a game to George Pickens, the odds of them adding up to 140 yards and two touchdowns is basically zero. Like that'll never happen again. Like, so we shouldn't expect it to happen again, like, or even regularly. Like, that's not the most likely outcome from those mm-hmm. plays, that pass. You know, it was it was a sort of interesting combination of events, right? I mean, I don't think it's particularly replicable that you can say that Mason is going to go out here and have another game like that based on what he just did. Like, he can go out there and play pretty well, but if you're expecting that same performance out of Mason Rudolph, I think you're going to be deeply disappointed. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Alan, anything else on this topic before we get to some questions? Well, here? okay. Maybe Devin Witherspoon is hurt. So like, maybe not, I don't know. Like the Seahawks defense is not oh, that's that true. much better Artie than Burns. Cincinnati's and, and, and it could literally be Artie Burns against George mm-hmm. Pickens in this game. So having said all that, like, look, but yeah, after that, it definitely don't. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, like against the Ravens, but then again, they may not play their starters. So yeah, I don't know. Like I just, I just think that that was, there was a lot that happened in that game that went really well for the Steelers that uh, went beyond the play of Mason Rudolph that contributed to that point total. And oh, people keep bringing up the point total. Like, yeah, I mean the Steelers scored twice from the red zone on running plays against the Bengals this time. The last time against the Bengals, they were. They had four four carries for three yards in the red zone, and Deontay Johnson dropped a touchdown pass. Like, what if that was Kenny Pickett's fault that what happened this time against the Bengals was Mason Rudolph's responsibility? Like, none of it. It didn't have anything to do with anything. It's just the way that things happen. Like, you know, it very easily could have been 14 points more for Kenny and 14 points fewer for Mason based on things that are almost completely out of their control. Yeah, turnovers, putting them at two of the three, putting them in pretty good spots to add points as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors here for sure. Again, Mason played well. Do not want that to be misconstrued. Yeah, I mean, and, and I question. think I think Mason played well enough to to change some opinions about him and, and to deserve mm-hmm. to get another opportunity that comes up. But I don't think that you should abandon your priors about who Mason Rudolph is uh, based on that game. Certainly not based on that statistical performance. Alan, I'm actually really intrigued about this one question that I'm looking at that literally just came in here from uh, my my guy Big Cat at the Fax Mob. Um, with Coach Tomlin going into his last year without a new deal, how are the Steelers able to attract a formidable OC without stability at head coach past 2024? Do we think that will be an issue? Also, does the possibility of losing Andy Weidel change our philosophy in building in the trenches, or do you think that would be passed along? Do we even rehire for that same position? Oh, man, there's a couple of good questions. Um, I yeah. don't think that they will go into the offseason without Mike Tomlin getting a contract extension. I don't really think that's feasible. You are not going to have okay. him coach out the last year, especially when you're talking about needing an offensive coordinator and maybe needing a defensive coordinator. Terrell Austin's contract is up too. And while I don't think the defense has been as big of a problem, I certainly wouldn't say that Austin has been so good that like we should consider it a foregone conclusion that he'll be back. Right. Sure. Like, I, I think, yeah. You know, um, I think that's probably – 
up in the air for me anyway. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not going to I mean, usually coordinators get three-year contracts. You're not going to sign two coordinators to three-year contracts with the head coach going into the last year of his deal. It's just not going to happen. Um, you're going to have to extend Mike Tomlin or at least assure people that you are going to extend Mike Tomlin if you want to change the order of operations of business so that you can get your coordinators taken care of first. Maybe that would work. But, look, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Mike Tomlin is coming back and he's going to come back likely with an extended contract. Andy Weidel getting poached, I think, would be quite damaging to the Steelers and their future outlook. I think they would do a lot to keep him. Um, I do think they would probably replace him if if they did lose him. I Mm -hmm. just think that there is a real need – for someone like that in that role, especially considering you know, Omar's background being more on the contracts, salary yeah. cap, free agency, like you really need that draft guy, mm-hmm. that sort of uh, football guru that I think Andy Weidel is. Um, not to say that like a Sheldon White or a Mark Sadowski, Sadowski couldn't do that because he probably could. Um, but one way or another, I think you would want to, whether it's a, you know, you promote and backfill or you bring somebody in from outside the organization. I think you want to fill that role somehow and keep that staffing level the same in the front office. I think it's been quite positive since Andy's come along. And I do think he would be a good general manager candidate if teams are considering him. So I'm not really surprised that he's being talked about that way. Yeah. As far as Tomlin, I agree with you. I think that the worst thing that they, like, that's the last thing I want them to do is him to go into next year without a, a contract or anything like to me, there was two possibilities. And I don't even know that the one is really on the table is either extend him or trade him because I don't want to lose him as an asset for absolutely nothing following 2024. And he just walks. So an yeah, extension yeah, would certainly make it sense. doesn't commit you to him. It just commits. Right. You know, I mean, you can always, I, I have a hard time seeing a place in the future where Mike Tomlin would have no trade value. I have a hard time thinking that the Steelers could not afford to, you know, if they had to for a year, pay two coaches if they decide they want to move on from Mike Tomlin. It doesn't commit you to any future course of action. It just puts some money uh, to something that you may need to deal with in the future. I, I don't really think there's a lot of downside to extending mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin's contract. And the Andy Waddle thing I'm assuming is coming from you guys put out on the site that like Washington was mentioned as a potential spot for him, um, which would make sense. I agree with you that he is going, he has future GM for sure uh, in his future. I, I just, I hope it's not yet. Like, I, I think that he, we're still in the very early stages of his influence helping build this roster out. And I'd like to see him stick around. Uh, Sheldon White was the first one that came to mind as well. If he were to leave in that spot, be replaced by somebody, director of pro scouting right now, that's obviously a little bit different uh, in terms of the role that he would be stepping into. But that's who I thought of immediately. Yeah, I mean, I think Sheldon Mark guys have been around the league. They're, they're pretty well respected. I, I could see that working. I think you would, one way or another, whether you're going to promote one of those guys or bring someone in from the outside, you need another person Right, you just need to fill the role with another person that mm-hmm. has that kind of potential, that has that kind of uh, football knowledge. And I think, man, like, look, I think the Steelers don't have a big enough staff, right? Like, they certainly can't be yeah. losing guys as important as Andy Weidel and not replacing. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're getting a little bit low on time, so I do want to just say we're gonna we got a lot of questions in, but we're gonna be able to just you know kind of put these in the bank and save them for the rest of the week. But one more that we got here that I know that we can answer pretty quickly, or I hope that we can answer pretty quickly, Alan Jingle Bretsky. Appreciate the name, by the way. Still in the holiday mood. Uh, which Steeler would make the best NASCAR driver? Presley Harvin. In fact, Presley Harvin has told me that he wants to own a like NASCAR garage after he's done playing football. Um, he grew up um, in the South and, and, and you know, loved uh, stock car racing. He drives a Charger Hellcat. Um, I, I think, I think I'm having a hard time coming up with like who would be second. I think press is, uh, yeah. is far well, away the best answer there. I know you cover the team. I know you not know a lot of the ins and outs, not just of the organization, but of the players. So I figured you would pull that one. That was on my mind, too, just because of how into cars he is. Obviously, I didn't have the knowledge that you just dropped on me about, like, his future plans and stuff. But I just knew how super into cars he was. You know what? For the sake of not being the same and wanting to switch it up, I'm going to go Cole Holcomb just because of his haircut. <laughs> Cole Holcomb is the guy that the most looks like a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Like, let's, well, let's, I mean, for sure. Uh, from Florida, went to college in North Carolina. I've never talked to Cole about NASCAR, but I'm going to guess he's familiar with the sport. Um, yeah, I think he, he looks the part the most. There's, there's no question. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. just from like a weird, like, like just evaluating them like physically as as individuals, maybe I'm trying to think of someone looks like some elite eye hand coordination. Maybe um, I'm, I'm trying to, to like like maybe a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't know. Like I think there's there's mm. uh, there's there's certainly like some physical skill to driving that goes beyond passion, right? Like you've got to be really good at it. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I'm not sure I have. A good answer but i would be like if they, if those guys went to uh you know go race go-karts today like who would win i, I don't know I, I think make is a good make is a good answer there yeah no i agree you know if i had to say three he's probably within that group but uh we don't so cole holcomb is my guy simply because of his haircut and i think that that is uh, is a good reason to be quite honest with you when you look at the roster. So, uh, Alan Press uh, wanted to be a NASCAR yeah. uh, garage owner on the site SteelersNow.com a couple of years ago. You may have to do some oh. deep googling, but it's there. I, I'm going to have to, yeah. Um, and uh, go go check it out. There we go. Well, not just that story, but all the other stories. Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter, PGH Steelers Now site's account SteelersNow.com. And use the promo code Allen10, get 10% off an SN Plus membership. Really good stuff from Derek Bell, breaking down the game uh, over the holiday. And we'll have some more stuff coming up this week. And then I'm going to Seattle. And you'll be able to find me in the rain and the cold, listening to horrible, miserable music and drinking Starbucks coffee. There we go. It's it's you just described Seattle right there in 10 seconds. So um, I am Zach. Also, it smells like fish for some reason. I don't know. Really? I, I've never been to Seattle. There's a very famous fish market. That's like a big uh, okay. Well, not famous enough that it's made to my ears, but like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Leave us a comment down below about anything that we discussed on this episode or questions for a future episode. We appreciate you guys as always. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else, Apple, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. For Alan Saunders, for myself, thanks for jumping in. Take another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. <laughs>